Hey there, and welcome to the Life of a Cheerleading Coach. I'm your host, Marley Sievers. With four years of high school coaching experience, six years of experience as an instructor and choreographer for the National Cheerleaders Association, and over a decade in the cheerleading industry, join me as we navigate through the world of high school coaching together. Here we go. This episode is brought to you by the Cheer Coach Planner. Are you ready to replace your bulky coach binder? If so, then you should check out the Cheer Coach Planner. Designed specifically for cheerleading coaches, the Cheer Coach Planner helps you to simplify the administrative side of coaching through the use of planning and organization. Inside, you'll find over 250 pages, including 12 undated monthly calendars, daily life and practice planners, a team section full of forms to help you keep track of everything specific to your team, like rosters, absences, and athlete profiles, and a season section full of forms to help you keep track of everything related to your season, like tryouts, fundraising, game days, pep rallies, and competitions. With a physical planner, digital planner options, and new planners for your captains, you're bound to find an option that works for you. Check them out at cheercoachplanner.com or visit the link in my show notes. The Cheer Coach Planner, your season, your plan. I'm here with coach Christina Wilson, who is a four-time state championship winning coach. Christina, tell us a little bit more about your experience in cheerleading and coaching. Uh, Yeah, Uh, I've been coaching for 21 years. I uh, started coaching right out of high school. As soon as I graduated high school, I was like ready to go. The team needed a coach and I was just willing to kind of step in there. Uh, So I've been coaching for quite a while. I coached first at the middle school level. And then I moved up uh, to the high school level. So I've been coaching high school for longer you know, than anything else at the varsity level and have won some state championships, as you mentioned. I won uh, some runner-up titles. I have won regional championships, district championships, league championships, you know, all those kinds of things. And I've been lucky enough to win some of those with multiple schools. So it's been kind of nice to share the knowledge kind of across the state of Michigan. Yeah, that's amazing. So you coach at Brighton now? In Michigan? I do. Mm-hmm. And how long have you been there? I am starting my 11th season in Brighton and I coached for, you know, 11-ish seasons uh, down at Gibraltar Carlson as well. So I guess, does that make me going on my 22nd year of coaching? <laughs> okay. That's a that- lot. <laughs> What are the key skills to have when you are working as a coach? I would say communication obviously is a huge, huge skill. You got to be able to communicate, you know, what you want to your athletes and not just what you want, but how to do it and how, you know, to help them be the most successful. And you got to be able to communicate with parents, athletic department. It's communication is probably uh, the biggest skill set that you need to have in order to be a successful coach. What's your favorite thing about coaching and what got you involved in it? Well, I started coaching, as I kind of mentioned earlier, I was a cheerleader all through middle school and high school. And I just loved the sport, knew kind of early on that that's what I wanted to do. And I I just truly am passionate about the sport itself. I love it so much. And, you know, when I was done being an athlete, I, you know, college athletics wasn't really kind of the, the route that I was going in. And being so passionate about the sport, I I wanted to kind of move along and share that 
that love and that knowledge with athletes. And I just am still doing that. (laughs) I've been lucky enough to continue to do that even after, you know, so many years. That's amazing. What's been the best experience that you've had as a coach? You know, this is a really hard one for me (laughs) because there's so many different facets of coaching, you know, and like, there's so many little wins that you, you have when you're a coach. I mean, obviously winning state championships, like those, that's amazing. It is such an amazing experience and especially the first one, right. You never forget like your first big championship win, but I mean, at the same time, there's still other victories too. You know, my Brighton team, we won a regional championship two years ago and that was huge huge for us in in division one. And, you know, the first year at Brighton, they had never won a league championship and we won a league championship. So that was huge, you know, like, so there's, there's so many wins. I mean, you, you have trophies to prove wins, you know, and those are great experiences, but even right now, the team I'm coaching right now, like they're, they get along so well and they're nice and they're kind and they're hungry and they want to work so hard. So every day, you know, I leave practice and I'm like, Oh my God, that was so awesome. So like favorite or best experience as a coach is kind of hard to put into, you know, one category. Absolutely. I mean, cause like you were saying, there's, there's the small wins when you're at practice every single day. So it's, mm-hmm. it's nice to have something that's so rewarding. Correct. What has been your most challenging experience as a coach? You know, it's funny. I was just talking about this the other day with a, with a few fellow colleagues. And, you know, we talked about how like that first COVID season was like really difficult, you know, in, in 2020 and just trying to navigate that. But if I'm being honest, like kind of last year was really a difficult situation, like the athletes, you know, I'm a teacher, the, the kids as students, it was like a rough year. We were just kind of in like the, the COVID hangover where like, you know, just trying to get back to normal and it's just a struggle. And it was, it was kind of tough last year, you know, just mentally, the mental health portion of it kind of took over more than the athletic ability portion of it last year. So it was kind of tough to navigate last year with trying to, you know, make those two things work together, the, the mental part of the sport and the physical part of the sport. And it just, you know, we were as a whole, you know, as a whole world, basically it's a tough yeah. time. Yeah. So navigating that was pretty hard. <laughs> it was pretty hard. Yeah. I, yeah, I understand how difficult it was. Like there's residual stuff left over from COVID everywhere in life. And it's just, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that it, it kind of feels like there's some sort of normalcy happening this season, but mm-hmm. hopefully that continues. <laughs> yeah, it, it was, it was tough, but you know what, honestly, like, I think coming out on the other side of it now in this season, I think the kids are a lot, like, can breathe a little easier. They can feel a little more secure. They're, you know, they're just starting to kind of come back to being kids again mm-hmm. and being able to do what kids do. And, and so that feels kind of nice. Good. What do you think you can attribute to your success in coaching? Gosh, there's, there's so many things, you know, like (laughs) being a coach, there's like a million things that go into it. You know, you have Mm -hmm. amazing assistant coaches and then you have amazing middle school coaches and you have kids that work well, really, you know, together. And we have a great parent support system and we have a 
super supportive athletic director and our community loves athletics. And it's just like the whole big picture just kind of comes together Mm -hmm. and it works. And, you know, not every year does it come together super well. Right. There, there's some years where everything just seems to kind of flow and work. And then there's some years, like I said, last year just kind of didn't. And Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think the key to being successful is just doing your part to be the orchestrator of all these different things and trying to figure out how to orchestrate and make it all work together and and come together the right way. Yeah. What does it take to develop a champion team? You had mentioned a few state titles, like what, what steps did you take those seasons to achieve those goals? You know, it's all about building good habits. And when you build those good habits and you can start building those habits with kids when they're younger, then you have to do a little bit less of building of good habits by the time they get up to the high school level. So like uh, when I was in Gibraltar, our middle school team was incredible. So as those kids moved up to high school, they already had really well-established habits. And so we could work more on fine-tuning small technical details instead of trying to build good habits you know, from, from the start when they're in high school, mm-hmm. I would say probably the biggest thing for building a championship is building a championship program mm-hmm. that starts with your younger kids and kind of building it all the way up. Yeah. I bet having like a feeder program does help with that though. Like you were saying, Absolutely. building them young. Yeah. And when you have your coaches who are all on the same page and you're and the coaching staff works together to to build the proper habits and the proper skill sets and, you know, teach the proper technique. It just naturally, as the kids get older and they mature and they have more body awareness, those good habits as a foundation are really key. Mm -hmm. How do you motivate your athletes? So many different things. It's funny (laughs) that you bring that up because today, like I have a, a box of colored beads, right? You know, they have like 24 different colors or whatever. Mm-hmm. Each bead color represents a different skill or a different stunt. Uh-huh. And as they can perform those things and they can do it well, then they're like, oh, coach Chrissy, well, um, I'm ready for my back handspring bead. And so they'll do the back handspring. I'm like, here you go. And then I like give them a little bead. It is like the Silly little thing, but they take their beads and they put them on their shoelaces and they're like, oh my God, I got this bead today. And so they kind of like always have something that they're working toward. They like tangible things to Mm -hmm. see, but I also do like, I do a goal board every Mm -hmm. single season. We sit down, we make a goal board. And, you know, after every competition, we sit down and check off, okay, we got this, we got a 10 in this, we did this really well, you know, all of our stunts hit and, you know, we got this score on this skill. And and we do that. So they can kind of see that, um, as a tangible and, you know, like anytime I can show them progress, Mm -hmm. try to show them progress. So like today at at practice, we have a TV with an Apple TV connected to it. And so we'll do a jump rep. We'll video it. We'll watch it back. We'll make adjustments. We'll do a rep, watch it, you know, make adjustments so they can kind of see themselves and, and, when the kids can see themselves improvement, improving, they can see that improvement. Yeah. It just kind of intrinsically becomes motivating for them because 
they feel motivated and accomplished at the same time. Yeah. And they can physically see it. That's amazing. I really like that beat idea. That's so cute. Oh, the kids love it. They seriously love it. Like you wouldn't believe what you can make kids do for a teeny tiny little breed (laughs) that costs like four cents. Yeah. (laughs) That's so cute. Okay. What is the best piece of advice you've been given? Um, I, as a coach long ago, I used to be like, hammer it down at practice, hammer, 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 reps on reps on reps on reps. And like literally every single second of every practice, just like riding it and hammering it down. And over the years I've kind of learned and I've heard from other coaches that are like, listen, you don't have to like ride them so hard every minute of every practice. Like Mm -hmm. it's okay to take a couple extra minutes for a water break because you notice that they're exhausted. It's okay for one practice to have a full out rep that doesn't go absolutely perfectly. Mm -hmm. Like we're going to learn from those moments. So I've kind of learned that practice doesn't have to be like so intense every single second. Oh my God. Like to be able to kind of pull back and, and give the kids like, you know, a little bit of time at practice too, to, to breathe. Yeah, absolutely. What advice would you give to someone who's just starting their coaching career? I would say talk to other coaches because other coaches have so many incredible resources, Mm -hmm. things that they have already created or practice plans that they already have, or a stunt progression list, or a way to get a kid to do a walkover. Like other coaches are absolutely incredible, incredible resources. Mm-hmm. So just any kind of conference you can visit, any kind of, you know, coaches from your area or your league, or, you know, just other gyms in the area, use them because chances are they've tried something and it's gone really well mm-hmm. and you can try it for yourself and maybe it'll work and maybe it doesn't and you move on and you get something else. But I think having your people, I kind of call them, oh, these are my people. Mm-hmm. Like having your people that you bounce ideas off of and get ideas from it is really, really crucial when you're starting off coaching because uh, it can feel really lonely when you're a coach. It can feel really, really, really like everyone's against you, but really it's, you know, if you can find your coaching besties and and they can talk you through some things, it really is super helpful. Yeah. Absolutely. Build a support network and bounce ideas off of. I really love that suggestion. And like you said, coaching does feel, feels lonely from time to time. Oh yeah. Yeah. It can feel, it can feel like, you know, everyone's kind of against you at certain moments when really it's, it's just kind of working through some of those growing pains as a new coach. Absolutely. What lessons do you hope that your former athletes received during their time in your program? I am really big with my kids on a couple things. One, I like them to be respectful about themselves and their self-image and their and their body and in the way they kind of present themselves. Yeah. Um, I, I'm pretty big on that with my kids. So I hope that that's something that they learn, you know, just kind of like the modesty in, in respecting themselves and feeling good about themselves without, you know, having to kind of go over the top with that. I, I really try to hit that home mm-hmm. hard with them. 
um, I try to teach them the power of positive thinking Yeah, and the fact that they really have control over a situation. You know, if you go into something thinking that it's going to be hard and long and terrible and, oh my gosh, I don't even want to do this. Like it reflects like your attitude kind of shows and your body language shows and your effort shows where if you can change those thoughts to positive thoughts, you're going to have a, you know, more successful time or, or a better time kind of along the way. Mm -hmm. So they kind of learn that way. I talk about that with them a lot. You know, if, if you're going into a situation, that's like a life skill. If you go in thinking it's not going to be great, it's probably not going to be great. Right. And thinking that, Hey, I've got this, I can do it. This is going to be awesome. Chances are it probably will be. Yeah. So try to teach them that. And I also try to teach them just, uh, communication and kind of people skills. You know, you might not like everybody, but you do have to be able to work together and you might not get along right off the bat, but that doesn't mean that you can't later on. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, that kind of conflict resolution piece and being able to talk through a situation that might feel uncomfortable. Yeah. They can take any of those into their daily life, which is amazing. Right. right. So what is cheerleading in Michigan? Like, like how many routines do you compete in and what kind of routines are they? I know I've kind of what I've watched your Instagram for years. So I'm like intrigued by the style of cheerleading. So yeah. explain it to us. Yeah. So Michigan is quite different from a majority of the rest of the country. So in Michigan, we actually compete in three different rounds. And in those three rounds, there are different um, requirements in terms of the number of athletes that can be or have to be on the floor. So in round one, there can be anywhere between four or 16 girls in the routine on the floor in round one. Mm -hmm. And round one is motions and jumps. And so in round one, you get scored on your execution of those motions. You get scored on timing and coordination. You get scored on two jumps and you get scored on vocals, general impression. And, you know, in Michigan, we're yelling and cheering the entire time. There is no music, right? There's no stopping. So it can be like pretty intense, takes a lot of endurance. So round Mm -hmm. one is more of a focus on uh, motions and jumps. Mm -hmm. Round two, there is a mandated number of athletes that have to be on the floor based on your division. So we are division one. So we have to have 12 girls out on the mat. No Mm -hmm. more, no less. I mean, you can have less, but there's like a penalty. It's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. But 12 is the number of athletes that you have on the floor in round two, if you're a division one, and you get a list of skills that you pick from and you perform five of them. So one of them has to be a jump. One of them has to show flexibility. And one of them has to be tumbling. Every team in the state in round two starts off with the same 10 motions. So your round two starts with the 10 count. That's the same for every team across the state. You go into your five skills and that's it. Round two is all about timing of skills. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. Round two is like, you've got 12 kids that can do back tucks perfectly and stick them. Your 12 kids are out there doing back tucks perfectly. Let's stick them. Yeah. You know, 12 handsprings, 12 walkovers or, you know, whatever it may be, but Mm -hmm. You've got to have a jump, a tumble and a flexibility in there. Wow. And then 
Round three is the closest to what most of the rest of the country does. Mm -hmm. That is our routine of stunts, tumbling. It's the open round, really. You can do anything. That open round is the longest. It's two minutes and 30 seconds, while rounds one and two can only be up to a max of one minute and 30 seconds. So round three, again, no music. You're yelling the whole time, two minutes and 30 seconds while stunting. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're like going for it. So uh, yeah, in round three, like say you've got um, some elements that are required, like a team tumble. Mm-hmm. Everybody out on the floor has to do a tumble at the same time. And then other than that, it, it's pretty much open. That's wild. Like I've never heard of. <laughs> I know it is very, very unique, but what it does one of the things I do really like about it is it does provide an opportunity for different athletes. Yeah. So for example, if I have kids who are excellent jumpers, they're going to be in round one. Well, my excellent jumpers might not be incredible tumblers for round two. Mm-hmm. Well, my excellent jumpers might not be the strongest for stunting. So I can have a mix of athletes who can specialize in those certain rounds in those certain areas that they excel in. That is awesome. Then you get to utilize everybody in your program to like the best of their ability. That's awesome. So yeah, round three, you have a max of 16 kids, but you know, on a team, you might carry 24, but the combinations of kids that you're putting in each round is a little bit different again, because some of, some of those, you know, specialty skills or or skills that they kind of have better than what's in the other rounds. Right. Well, I mean, and you had mentioned in, in the first couple, I mean, on, in all the rounds, but timing is a really big factor mm-hmm. in your routines, which is honestly, that's one of the things that has drawn me to your team specifically is their incredible timing. So I, I wanted to ask, like, how do you train that? <laughs> Thanks. You know, it takes a lot of time to be honest with you. Like you would think, for example, I have, you know, 17 kids from my team last year that are coming over to my team this year. And I, like, you would think, oh, those 17 should be perfectly on time. They're not. It, <laughs> it's it's just literally just drilling and doing and drilling and doing and drilling and doing. And, you know, I have a progression that I do. I always start in the summer with a, they get a tumble partner. Mm-hmm. It's two people. And those two people are working to make their timing perfect. And then I take them and I put them together in a group of four. Okay. Now your group of four, your timing perfect in your group in your timing before. And then we make it a group of six. So we're just kind of like constantly building. Mm-hmm. And when we are building those, we're not worrying about doing it in a formation. We're doing it in a straight line. Mm-hmm. And on one end, I can look down and say, okay, that leg was bent. That leg was slow. These arms were slow. Your form and your sit was a little bit different. So mm-hmm. It does take a lot of finesse. Yeah. And and you've got to, this is where, you know, I talked earlier about the Apple TV. This is where I can film and I can show them and I say, hey, look, like we're looking down this line. Yeah. Here's what it looks like. How can we adjust? Mm -hmm. Okay. So we kind of talked a little bit about this earlier, but describe to us like what steps you took the first time you won a state championship. You had mentioned like you never forget it. Um, if, are there any additional things that you did that season that stood out from any other year? Yeah. You know, what kind of like just kind of happened to work out was I, like you said, I started coaching in middle school mm-hmm. five years and I kind of moved those kids up through the ranks up to high school. And then my assistant coach came in, you know, and we coached together that middle school for three years and we moved those kids up. Well, then we eventually moved up too. 
And so when we moved up, we were moving up to a a team of varsity high school athletes who already knew us. Mm -hmm. And they had already gone through all of our training. They had already gone through all of our habits and we helped build those habits and build those techniques. So we were kind of already stepping into a team of kids we already knew. Mm -hmm. Knew their skill set. And I, I won't tell you that it was an easy season. It absolutely was not. Right. That first state championship season actually was really tough. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of seniors who quit. In fact, we had zero seniors on the team that year. Wow. Yeah, they had all quit. And their favorite thing was to quit on the Friday night before our competition. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. So we would make adjustments. But I think that resiliency and that kind of drive that they had really helped set them up when those pressure situations came around, like those big competitions, you know, mm-hmm. and we, a local team that we always competed against, they were beating us like every single week until we got to state finals. And honestly, just state finals, it just kind of clicked and it worked and the, it, it was incredible. That's awesome. Yeah. I, it's crazy to think how much like adversity you overcome and that it was so worth it in the end with like athletes quitting, stuff like that, but worth it for sure. And like I mentioned before, it's just important to instill those good habits right off the bat Mm -hmm. from younger. So it made it easier for uh, my assistant coach and I to kind of step into the group of kids who already had those really good foundations. Right. Do you have a specific strength and conditioning program that you like to include in your practices? Like what do you do with your team for those specifically? So in Brighton, we're really, really incredibly lucky. We have a strength and conditioning facility that comes with a strength and conditioning coach. Oh, nice. So as a part of our practice plan, we practice in the summer, four days a week, um, in the fall and winter, five days a week. But we, we do one hour of strength and conditioning twice a week. So a total of two hours. Mm-hmm. But they're doing a full lift program. They're like, not just cheerleader conditioning. It's like the same lift program that like our football team goes through. And I will tell you, our football coaches come in and they're like, okay, your girls like lift better than a lot of my <laughs> do. I'm like, well, yeah, because lifting is what we do. Like mm-hmm. it's we lift people up in the air. We've got to be able to do this. So right. we're lucky enough to have that strength and conditioning coach that we can just kind of step into the facility for, you know, an hour or two each week and they kind of take over. That's amazing. I would love to implement some more, you know, weights classes, weightlifting, things like that. That'll definitely help. So my last question is what's your why? Why do you, why do you coach? Why do you do what you do? Yeah. I mentioned it before. Like I'm just really, I'm really passionate about the sport. Mm -hmm. I love the sport itself and I love being able to share my knowledge and my passion of the sport with athletes and kids and hopefully help them build that too. I mean, again, I I love cheerleading and I love coaching and I love helping kids. I mentioned I'm a teacher. So like it's just kind of natural for me to want to like pass my knowledge on to others. But I mean, I had such a great experience as an athlete. I want to help other kids have that experience as well. You know, you learn so many things through sport that you really don't learn elsewhere. Right. So I just, I love seeing those kids kind of have those light bulb moments. They're like, oh yeah, 
oh, okay, I get it. Or, you know, like you win and, and the absolute joy and elation on their face when, when they win, it's, it's just, it's a really rewarding profession. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Christina. It's been nice to like get to know you. Like I said, I've watched your team for years and it's just been great to kind of get some advice and tips from you. Do you have like platforms that people can connect with you on that you'd like to share? Yeah, for sure. Um, we have a team Instagram as well as a team TikTok. It's pretty simple. It's just at Brighton Varsity Cheer for both of those. And pretty much I just limit myself to those two because it's hard to even keep up with both of those. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we do have both of those accounts for our team and, you know, try to post progress videos and skill videos and stunt videos and all that good stuff. You know, the kids love to see themselves and be able to share that on their own social media as well. Yeah. Well, thank you again, Christina. It's been so much fun talking with you and yeah, I hope we can do it again in the future. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. This is super, super fun. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the life of a cheerleading coach. To be notified when another episode is posted, visit the link in the show notes to sign up for my newsletter. Don't forget to follow the Life of a Cheerleading Coach on Instagram and Facebook, and be sure to click the listener support button on my anchor page. To be featured in the next episode, use the link in the show notes to leave me a voice message. Thanks again for listening and go make a difference.